Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good morning. When the NFL schedule, fellas, came out, there was no game more anticipated. Of the 256 on the schedule, when we ran it down weeks 1 to 17, than the week three matchup on Monday Night Football between two of the brightest stars in football. And the anticipation built, Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including Jeff Saturday, who will break down his thoughts on Lamar and Mahomes coming up at 7.15. But fellas, at the end of the day, the hype was there. And then about halftime, it started to dissipate. Guys, the Ravens made it a little bit interesting in the second half, got to 27-20, but at the end, it was all Chiefs, and we are waiting. We are waiting for someone to challenge this squad. Yeah, well, keep waiting because <laughs> it's going to take a minute. I mean, maybe New England puts up a big fight on a short week, but when you look at this particular football game last night and you look at Patrick Mahomes, I mean, there's nothing – like, what else is there to say, right? It's like he he goes out there and he throws for 385 yards and four touchdowns. And I still will argue if he wore a different number on a single digit, that rushing touchdown would look so much sweeter with him in a single digit. It just would. He you Five touchdowns, four in the air, one on the ground. Then Lamar Jackson can't match that, especially in the passing game. Um, it's just Andy Reid has a lot of toys that he's playing with right now. And, you know, from one to the next to the next to the next. It's just, it's, I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say. I mean, this is something that we've been talking about for a long time. It is early in the season. They did lose a few games last year and they still was Super Bowl champions. Um, it, it's, I mean, what can you say? It's really like, he did exactly what I think most of us expected him to do. I didn't expect for it to be as lopsided. I thought Baltimore would come to the party a little bit more, but they didn't. Lamar did not play. It's like one of the worst games, in my opinion, in Lamar's young professional career. Uh, 97 yards in the air, touchdown, obviously. But when you look at trying to match Patrick Mahomes pace for pace, he didn't live up to the billing. Andy Reid reminds me of one of my friends, and I won't say his name, but one of my friends is extremely, extremely wealthy, Key. Uh-oh. And when we walked into his house one day, we walked into his garage, which looked like a house, Zubin. And he was like, what do you want to take today? You want to take the Maybach? Do you want to take the Ferrari? Do you want to take the Escalade? Do you want to be driven? That's Andy Reid. That's Andy Reid. That's all the toys that he has. I mean, it, it, watching that game last night, the shuffle pass to Anthony, Anthony Sherman was incredible. Who? It was exactly. It was ridiculous. It wasn't Tyreek Hill. It wasn't Sammy Watkins. It wasn't Travis Kelsey. It wasn't Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It was. It was like what? That that's another option. The pass he threw over the top that just dropped into Tyreek Hill's hands. I mean, it was a perfect pass on that route. Key. It just seemed like I was watching the Golden State Warriors of the NBA last night. Well, just the most prolific offensive scoring machine. And once they got going. There was nothing that Baltimore could do with their run game that can get them back into the game as quickly as possible. One of the things that Baltimore does from a defensive standpoint is they like to bring pressure. And it leaves the secondary exposed in one-on-one coverage. Uh, much like Jay talked about with the, with the Tyreek Hill touchdown, you got Marcus Peters in a single situation. And when you put him in single coverage, exposed, you kind of expose him if they don't get to the quarterback. And I think that that is part of the problem in these situations. Uh, it's just one of those deals where 
Patrick Mahomes is is able to understand what they're doing to him, what they're trying to do to him. And when you look at it, Tyreek Hill runs a simple corner route, but also at the same time, they get kind of collapsed in there in man-to-man situations where Tyreek Hill went up and, you know, he went up and climbed the ladder to get that instead of waiting for that ball to drop in his lap. And that's the problem. You know, it's... It's the scheme that Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid has put together. It's the quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, along with all the different toys that they have. The defense, when you play the way you play, their defense now can play a certain style in a certain way. And I don't know, Zubin, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to Randy Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' mother. I'm not calling him Pat no more. <laughs> I, I'm calling him Patrick. I'm going to call him by his government name because Randy wants us to call us by his government. Did name. I call him Pat? You called him Pat very quick. I'm just saying, Randy was going at I mean, people's heads last night. I mean, I know on that. On Monday Night Football. So I get it, I, I'm but I, saying. I'm so used to saying Pat. You know, I got you, Randy. I got Patrick. you. Patrick. Right. Depends Patrick. if you're old enough to remember the the other Pat Mahomes, his yes. father, the old baseball player. Be a part of Keyshawn J. Will Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. And so is your favorite Dr. Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Key liked using the word problem. These are the problems the Chiefs present. For the Ravens, the problem is simple. Listen to this exchange with Lamar Jackson. Lamar, how do you get over as a team the hurdle of the Chiefs where it seems like they are the, the one team that... Uh, I the night. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll say uh, second half... Like, just like I say always, like we always start cranking up at the wrong time. We got to come in and finish how we start. Like we always go opposite, I guess, against them for some reason. We just got to tighten up and play better. That's all. Did you hear what he said? He kind of said it off mic real quick. Kryptonite, as if he is Superman, but they cannot figure out this team. Key, I would say the best endorsement I could give the Chiefs the rest of the way. If you're looking for the next great matchup in the NFL this season, last night was a little bit of a, a letdown. And with all due respect to Russell Wilson, the draw of the Cowboys, Aaron Rodgers, I think it would be a disservice unless you picked a Chiefs game because they have to be in the game in terms of wanting to see the next level, the next great game in the NFL this season. I'm just scanning their schedule. Of course, they've got their divisional games. they got some games against the Jets. they got some games that they're going to name the score. Poor Jets. But November 29th, Chiefs at the Bucks. Now, obviously, huge star power there with the two quarterbacks. and it remains, Old and new. Old and new, but it's still a great storyline. And it remains to be seen what the Saints will turn into. But the Chiefs at the Saints, if they can get it going in some way, shape, or form, December 20th. But with all due respect to all the other 3-0 and teams, unless the Chiefs are involved in that game, I'm not sure you can call it the most marquee matchup of the season to come. Yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting situation. I go back to what Lamar said in terms of that kryptonite, right? They can't figure out how to get over the hump, how to beat this particular team. I look back to the Manning, Peyton Manning, that is, not Eli, and Tom Brady in the New England Patriots against the Indianapolis Colts. In the regular season, Indy was 0-4 against Brady and company. And in the playoffs, it started off, they were 2-0, I mean 0-2. 6-0 to start before Peyton Manning finally got his first win against the New England Patriots against Tom Brady. It happens when you have this type of situation in a head coach in Andy Reid in a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. At some point, if Lamar continues to work at it and they continue to get better, they'll beat Kansas City. It may take six games like it did Peyton Manning to finally beat the New England Patriots. 
It it just but he's got to continue to keep working at it. Ninety seven yards in the air, man. That's not gonna get it done not against acceptable. that dude. Well, it's not that it's not acceptable. You can't beat Kansas City doing that. That's not gonna beat Kansas City because they're quick strike, fast in a hurry type team. If you told me that. Well, they would go in and he would only throw for 97 yards. The first thing I would have told you, they're going to lose. Well, that's the problem, though, Key, right? Their game is built for the ground. And if your game is built for the ground, and, and the question coming into the season was, can Lamar throw outside the numbers? Can he throw deep? Can you play fast? Like, it, it seems like he got a little bit exposed with that tempo. Now, he's not going to see that tempo and that pace with the way uh, KC can score as quick against other opponents. But when you play against that one team, it shows a sizable gap in that division because of how much better that offense is for the Chiefs. No doubt about it. Jeff Saturday here at 7.15 Eastern with his thoughts. He'll join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Still to come, sure, Lamar was the unanimous MVP, but it's a Super Bowl MVP that's going to tell us the real problem in Baltimore. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Because it actually took time for them to design that play. It looked simple, right? But they really had to sit down as a coaching staff and design it to a T, meaning like they needed to know, okay, if we did this with Tyreek in the backfield and we swing him to the right, the eyes of the defenders are going to go with Tyreek. Therefore, it's going to open up for Sherman to do what he did, and they had to sit there mm. and, and, and mm. really study it as a staff and convince themselves that it was going to work. They really did. And that's what happens with coaches is they sit there and they go, okay, what's going to happen is it's going to look like a screen. We need this right tackle to shuffle this way, to pull the line. We need the guard to, to move to the left. Now it looks like something that they've done before within their scheme, although – They've now deceived the defense with the trickery because my eyes went immediately to Tyreek Hill on TV. As soon as Tyreek goes in the backfield, my eyes went bam, right to him when he went to the right. And then when they did the show, I was like, oh, but it was a word that I used was going to happen. I was like, <laughs> was oh, what? You know, I was like, wow. And then they came back and show. I was like, okay. It took time to do that. That wasn't something that they just did overnight. I felt like I was playing Madden. Zubin, you ever play Madden? Not a video game guy at all. Not Keyshawn, you don't play I Madden. Don't play Madden. 
If you play Madden, you know what I'm talking about. With all the options that they have, you felt like you were watching a video game, watching all the weapons that they disposed last night. It was really insane. I mean, the Sherman stuff, you're like, wait, who's, who's Anthony Sherman? Wait, what? Like, it, 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 how does this? But that goes to show you like all the decoys that they can have with all the options they and, have. And they gave him what we like to call it. They gave him some sugar, right? Sherman is, is a fullback. He, all he's doing for the most part is pounding his head into somebody. So he gets rewarded on a Monday night in a big touchdown, in a big moment for Kansas City. You do your job. You keep doing this, doing this. We're going to give you some sugar. So now we can keep having you do it some more, some more. Then eventually they'll give him some more sugar. Just get his little taste buds, you know, get him wet a little bit. But That's Keith, all. Can, can, you know, we talk a lot about the offense, man. Uh, but watching, you know, Chris Jones got that sack last night, which, you know, kind of turned into a fumble. How about this stat? So 30 offensive yards after their first drive is what the Chiefs gave up in the first half. Like that, that that's well, they made for, a team necessary- that, for a team that pounds it on the ground. They, they really rose to that challenge. Well, they, they made the necessary adjustments. Spagnola, uh, uh, the defensive coordinator for Kansas City, made the necessary adjustments after the first drive to realize, okay, what they're getting ready to do is they're getting ready to try to run the football with us. They're getting ready to try the speed option game. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to pound uh, uh, Dobbs. They're going to try to pound Ingram. So we need to make the necessary adjustments up front to negate that and force, enforce Kansas City. Enforce uh, Baltimore into throwing the, the football. Now, there was a couple throws in the game where Lamar hit the targets. They just needed to catch the ball. I mean, there was one beauty of a throw down the seam to the tight end. If he just clutches it instead of trying to catch it Mark with Andrews. his fingertips, if he turns around and he puts his thumbs together and catch it, instead of this, he does that, it's a perfect strike. There was nothing where I wish I could – in my career, get a throw like that. And I was going to say that that ball for Mark Andrews too. He's a tight end for Baltimore. I mean, that ball was right in his hands. You got it. You got to yeah, make no, that catch. But, but his hands was placed wrong. Uh, you don't. Catch what do you mean by that? What do you mean hands because were you placed don't have, wrong? You, you shouldn't catch it coming in like this with pinkies. You should have your thumbs where you now are attacking the football, opposed to letting it get away from you. Huh. So when you let it, so get you, away you're from contorting you, your body to a degree. No, to face you can, it? you can, or you could just turn your shoulders. I mean, it huh. depends on. He's a tight end, so he's not as probably as agile, athletic as a receiver, but putting your thumbs together to attack the football, you want to go and get it. Get it. You don't want it to come to you. You don't you want to go get it because when it comes to you, it, if you see what happened, the ball just went straight off his hands. He had no second chance to go and get it. When you attack the ball with your thumbs, now you can go get it again. Hmm. See how fast that was? Yeah, that anyway. was quick. Right. It's like basketball. You go, you go to the pass. You go to the pass. Yeah. You don't let the pass come to you. I'm with you. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Steve Young giving it straight to SportsCenter Scott Van Pelt last night on the real issue the Ravens are going to have the rest of the way when they play quality teams. The most concerning thing I have, Scott, is that this is now the fifth game that they've been in Lamar's history with the Ravens, that they've been down more than 10 points, and they're 0-5. This is not a team that has come back zero times. And then anytime he throws more than 30, and I didn't even catch how many he threw today. It might have been right around there. But anytime he goes over 30, they lose, except for once. This is not a team that is built to, even, the, even as they tried to come back tonight, even as they got in, the, you know, eight, it was eight minutes to go and they needed to score twice, that offense, I don't even know what plays that they call to make up for 14 points in the last eight minutes of a game. They just don't have that ability. So they, and against the rank and file NFL, they maul everybody. And you can see they're eighteen and one against teams they won by more than when they're up by more than ten. They just don't get beat. But when they're down, 
That is not a team that can come back. That's an eyebrow-raising split. 18-1 and one against teams. When they get up, they can close the deal. Lamar, four-minute offense, can run the clock, no problem. The 0-5, though, that he told Scott right off the top, that is say, concerning. Say that again. They're 18 and one when they're up by 10. Right. You know, they have the ability to run the ball. They can wow. milk the clock. They can do what they need to do. But Steve said at the beginning, when they fall down by 10, they have yet to win in the Lamar Jackson era, which, by the way, I just want to mention this. It spans just 25 games. He talks about this all the time. He hasn't really played that much football when you really think about it. Uh, 25 starts, same draft key. Baker is 32, Josh Allen 30, even Sam Darnold 29. I mean, this guy's not played as much football. Yeah, and I was going to let you uh, read that off and and talk about it, and I understand certainly what Steve is saying. But two times it's been the Kansas City Chiefs, right, that that they've been behind on and they can't come back from. Uh, Another time it's been Tennessee. Uh, I believe it was Cleveland. Mm Mm-hmm. So you factor that in. Two of the times you're talking about, I mean, out of the five times you're talking about three playoff teams mm-hmm. in Tennessee and twice Kansas City. Right. The eventual Super Bowl winners. You I'm not to- so quick to say they can't do something yet. Um, I think he's still a work in progress. He's still learning on the job. He does, he's out there with Willie Sneed and Hollywood Brown is only in his second year in the NFL as his receivers. It, it's once he gets an alpha dog with him, you'll start to see some things change in the passing game for him. You have to help guys out. DeAndre Hopkins is not in Houston. Now, all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson looks as though he can't play the position anymore. Be, right? I mean, it just looks like that. Even though we know that's a lie, it just feels that way because he's not throwing to a top dog anymore. And that happens. It just does. I think that over time, Lamar gets better. If he doesn't, then we can have that conversation in depth about them not being able to come back from behind. But when you're talking about 25 games, I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo. Uh, you know the situation when he's only played 25 games in the National Football League. I, I even he listened to people talk about he hasn't won in the playoffs yet. Like man, the dude is a kid still. He just really is. Can I can I give you a basketball analogy? And it's. Um... I know the the sample size is what still are you scratching? small. I'm scratching my head because it actually itched Keyshawn. Um, they re- the Baltimore Ravens remind me a little bit of the Houston Rockets, right? And I'm not saying styles and the threes and all that stuff, but it's like the Houston Rockets won't come out of the West because they kept facing the Golden State Warriors, and I, it feels very similar to me with the style in which they play. As long as KC is there, like for as explosive as Lamar Jackson can be for as dynamic as their offense can be, that still, if they get behind against one of the best offensive power teams we've seen in the history of sports, it's not going to happen. Keep in mind, they didn't even need a healthy Mahomes all the way last year to get that first round by. Matt Moore came in. They've been able to stem the tide when needed. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Still to come, Doc Rivers out in L.A. So where is Doc heading and who replaces him in L.A.? All that and more after. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. And for those that may not be familiar, of course, Ty Lue currently is an assistant on the Clippers bench, of course. Was the How convenient. Yes, when LeBron and company won the championship in 2016. It's sort of like a Nick Nurse situation. Maybe the answer is right there on your staff. When Dwayne Casey was fired by the Raptors, they just promoted their top assistant and Nick Nurse. Maybe it happens this way, though. Jay, I would ask you this question. He is by far the most successful coach in Clippers history, though mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that really means, uh, to be honest with you. But in totality, let's be honest, he's been an NBA coach for 21 years. He's made the playoffs 16 times. He's got championship his bona fides are there so the day after Steve Nash was hired as a Brooklyn Nets head coach you were able to get Sean Marks the general manager on the show and he essentially did say look my most important player wanted this guy to be our head coach so he's our head coach in this particular case is it fair to say that maybe the Clippers most important player had to weigh in on what he thought about the head coaching situation and Kawhi played a big role it just smells weird has a weird smell to it. it. It feels, and this is my opinion, it feels like I watch a coup happen to a, day, a coup. Um, and what I mean by that is think about 2020. There's been nothing normal about this year, okay, for this team. They, they play barely 25 games at full strength, healthy, with everybody healthy, okay. Going into the season, Kawhi and PG were coming off injuries where they had surgery. So you're still trying to find team chemistry with new two – Two new pieces to your team. The season shuts down for three and a half plus months. These guys come back into a bubble. Patrick Beverly is not there. Lou Will has the lemon pepper chicken wings experience. Montrez <laughs> extra Harrell, crispy, extra crispy. Montrez Harrell comes back into the league after losing his grandmother. Right. Never was the same once he was back into the league. He's a sixth man of the year. Yep. Okay, a, a lot of moving parts. Now I know they're up three of the one uh, against the Denver Nuggets, and they lost that series. They should have won. A lot of excuses. But it, it just feels like that it – w- it was all of a sudden – I'd never known Steve Ballmer to make a knee-jerk reaction, right? Especially considering all the things that have happened this year with this team. So my thing is at the end of the day – Uh-oh. At the end of the day – that's your line, Key. I should <laughs> give a dollar for your line. At the end of the day, how could Kawhi Leonard not sign off on that? He has to. Like, Think about all the best players we have in the NBA. If there's a coaching change in Milwaukee – do you think Giannis is going to have something to do with it if there Absolutely. is something that happens? If there's a coaching change in Cleveland, David Blatt, you don't think LeBron James had something to do with that to a degree? He did. Right? So at the end of the day, Steve Ballmer has to have some conversation with Kawhi Leonard about saying, hey, do you want to keep this guy or do you not want to keep this guy? I may want to move in this direction, but I did bring you here to be a staple of our franchise. What do you want to do? Now, regardless of whether Kawhi's indifferent or not, that answer speaks for itself. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't think they should have made this move. I think you should have made some other personnel moves on the team first before you make a coaching move. But at the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard had to sign off on this, guys. He had to. It, it certainly, as you say, smells like a Kawhi Leonard would have to have signed off on it alone, possibly with a PG. I mean, it, it's one of those situations where sometimes you get a coach that can only take you so far. Uh did Doc deserve to be let go or part mutually? I mean, it depends on who you're asking, right? 
they've never gotten out of the second round. Ever. With teams that it looked like he should have been able to get out of the second round with, whether it was the Lob City guys or whether it was this group. Um, if, it, if, if, in fact, Kawhi Leonard listened to the powers that be, whether it was Steve Ballmer along with Jerry West and the general manager, you got to remember a couple years ago, uh, Doc Rivers wore two hats, the general manager and mm-hmm. uh, the head coach. coach. They eventually allowed him to stay on as the head coach. So this is not something that Steve Ballmer and the powers that be came up with overnight. They've all already been looking at how to get the Clippers over the hump. This is just probably the end of the line in a situation where they feel like going with a potential different voice is the better way to go for the team's makeup today. But see, I, I think here's part of the problem with the Clippers. Doc was the leader of this team, right? Like, it didn't feel like they had a leader on the court saying, follow me. That's not who Kawhi is. Kawhi is one of the best players there is in the league, but Kawhi does not talk. He's not external saying, follow me. He plays by his actions on the court. So when I look at Kawhi and I look at him in San Antonio, he was one of their best players, but that team was led by Tim Duncan, Mano Ginobili, Tony Parker. When he was in Toronto, he was, one, he was their best player, but that team was led by Kyle Lowry. Look what Toronto has done to get back to where they got to this year. The heart and soul of that team was Kyle Lowry. So now you bring Kawhi to the Clippers, still the best player in the team, but Paul George wasn't the leader, right? And Paul George isn't telling people what to do, where to be. Patrick Beverly is a guy that plays defensively, but he's, he's kind of not that guy. You need your best player to be the guy externally too, right? Montrezl Harrell kind of quiet. I mean, think about all the pieces. They don't have a leader on this team. So my thing is when I, I think about, hey, we need a different voice, well, I think you actually need a different voice from a player perspective. And I will say this. I know he's probably not going to be in OKC anymore. And he was originally a Clipper when it started. You look at bringing CP3 back to the Clippers. Whoa. You look at bringing him back to the Clippers because I'm telling you right now, he will be the missing link from a leadership perspective for this team that they need. He is the pit bull that will tell people where to go. And also that allows Kawhi not to have that pressure on him to be that galvanizing force with everybody on that team. And I'm telling you, he will be the missing answer for that squad. Keep in mind, both Paul George and Kawhi can opt out, become unrestricted free agents at the end of next season. So this is a all-or-nothing year in some ways. So you really have to think about that when you try to bring in the right coach. The short-term future for the organization essentially rests on what happens the next upcoming season. So what are the other logistical challenges the Clippers are going to face when hiring a new head coach? Woj is going to join us at 7.15, but he weighed in on SportsCenter with the answer to that question. It's a challenging search. I don't think there's an obvious choice out there for them. And, you know, Ty Lue on their own staff, listen, this is a championship coach in his own right. In Cleveland, came in this year very close to Doc Rivers, and by all estimations, made a great impression there. He is a candidate uh, in some other places, including Philadelphia, New Orleans. Our Jeff Van Gundy at ESPN uh, is considered one of the best minds out there and, and one of the most accomplished coaches. But, listen, I think they're going to have to take a step back here with the Clippers. I don't think the next coach is clear to them. I think there's a search process that will start here. Uh, but this is going to be, uh, for them, a real challenge. Next head coach will be Ty Lue. It makes all the sense. Who's in your backyard? 
Key. Who's in your backyard if you're a Clipper? Who's about to win its NBA title? LeBron James. Who knows LeBron James better than Ty Lue? Nobody. Just makes sense. Nobody. He, he helped LeBron James so, win a championship. But, but why would that be the reason you would hire him? What, what, I mean, like, well, let me ask you a question. Out of all the coaches there are right now in the, the coaching scheme, who has championship pedigree? Like, who can you go for that has championship pedigree? But do, I mean, you it, need, but do you need championship pedigree to be the Clippers head coach? If you have one year with Kawhi and PG to get things done, unless you're trying to move PG, yes, you have to. You're trying to win a championship last next year. You're trying to win a championship this year. So expectation is, if you're changing the coach, you need a different voice. You're going to have some personnel changes. I'm sure they're going to do something. I'm just no. The reason the reason I ask you that is because there's been coaches Nick Nurse didn't have. Championship pedigree. He had Kawhi Leonard in in uh, Siakam and in, in Kyle yeah, but there Lowry. wasn't that kind of pressure on Nick Nurse to win a world championship the way to having pressure coming in this offseason with the Clippers though. No, there's I, a lot of pressure on Steve Ballmer no, and the new facility in Inglewood that they're building. No, I, a, I get it. I just because you said championship pedigree, what other coaches are out there with championship pedigree? And I'm just saying, uh, do you have to have that, or do you have to have a voice that? resonates to the players to the point where you can get them to respond how but, you need them Keith, to respond. you and I talk about this all the time. Why'd you love Bill Parcells? Well, that was one guy. That no, was just I, me. I hear because, because, he's, but because he's won championships, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, my thing is sure. when, you're, when you're leading people, right, when you're leading Kawhi, you're leading PG, they're trying to create this dynasty in the Clippers organization, you need somebody to say, look, I've been to the finals. This is how you do it. Like, it just – it will be extremely difficult for a first-year head coach. Right? And I'm not saying that Sam Cassell can't be that, Adrian Griffin can't Let be that. Let me ask you this question before we move on to Buster. How much is it worth for you to go get a head coach? Like, if you're Steve Ballmer, would you just pay anything? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, can, can we go poach somebody, and I'm going to give them $15 million a year? Is it worth that? Yes. Okay. I'll to, have to, a, bring, to bring a championship I to, just, to yeah. Clippers? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and, and I'm going to ask you during our break when we have it what you think about that before I even go into it. All right. So the NBA champion will be crowned latest October 13th TBA and what happens with the Clippers, who, of course, fell short again in the playoffs. So that's October 13th. Today, the Major League Baseball playoffs get underway. It's a pleasure to be joined by insider Buster Olney. 16 teams, largest field ever. All four American League series get going today. All four games can be heard on ESPN Radio. Buster brought to you by Skechers. Experience unreal comfort with Skechers' exclusive air-cooled memory foam for the whole family. Skechers, comfort included. Buster, what are the biggest things we need to know as baseball's most unique postseason commences? Uh, That... Uh, the best of three series is going to be absolutely insane. And it doesn't matter if you're the number one seed, the, clearly the best team in baseball in 2020 in the Los Angeles Dodgers. You are going to be vulnerable. Uh, the, these teams are going to be under pressure right from the get-go. They're going to be <laughs> managers are going to be crazy. They're going to be making changes. They're going to be matchup stuff going on. It will be intense over the next four days. That is correct. Buster, the Yankees take on the uh, Indians tonight. Garrett Cole's on the mound along with Shane Beaver. What, uh, what should we look for in tonight's game? Okay, it's like an old-fashioned matchup of elite starting pitchers. We don't see this as much anymore, but you've got the guy, Garrett Cole, who last year probably was regarded as the best pitcher on the planet going up against Shane Bieber of the Indians, who is the current best pitcher on the planet. He's the first pitcher Shane Bieber 
to win uh, the, the MLB uh, Triple Crown for pitchers, which means that he leads all the major leagues. He led the majors in ERA, in strikeouts, and in wins. His stuff is unbelievable. He's developed this cut fastball that just veers all over the place. And on top of that, as Roberto Perez's catcher was talking about yesterday, you know, he now is really learning about what hitters are trying to do against him. Think about this statistic. <laughs> During the 60-game regular season, the leadoff batter in, in the other team's lineup throughout the entire season scored a total of one run. That's how effective this guy was. Uh, and Garrett Cole, not afraid of anything when he was speaking to the reporters yesterday. Big grin on his face. And, you know, this is going to set the tone. I think for the Yankees, a lot of pressure right away. Uh, because playing in Cleveland, it, it's a very different venue for them. Uh, during these the 60 games, they averaged six runs per game in Yankee Stadium. When, when they were on the road, they averaged only four runs per game. It's the difference between Superman and Clark Kent with the Yankees lineup when they're out of Yankee Stadium. Buster, the Miami Marlins lost 105 games last season, and Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter was heavily criticized for tanking. Now they're actually in the playoffs for the first time since 2003. What are your biggest takeaways from the Marlins? Well, that they, uh, I think you have to give a lot of credit to the leadership on that team from Derek, Don Mattingly, how they got these guys through this season. Because you remember, you know, that was the first team with the first COVID outbreak where they were shut down and people with other teams were, you know, complaining about the young Marlins. Well, you know, Derek, when he put this team together, he wanted a lot of great athleticism in the among the position players, and they wanted high-end arms, and they have them. And we talked about you know having a puncher's chance. I actually like their chances against the Cubs. Um, you know, a lineup that has struggled uh, from time to time. They they posted the lowest home batting average for any Cubs team in history. And the Marlins are not afraid. When you watch them down the stretch, you know that team is a team playing with a lot of confidence right now. Buster, do you remember the last time the Lakers and the Dodgers won the championship in the same year? Uh, oh, goodness. That must have been, well, 1988. Yes. Could that happen again? It, uh, it absolutely could happen again. The Dodgers are going to go in as the, as the favorites on paper um, – the question is, will they get those through those first two rounds? I'm also really curious about Kenley Jansen, their closer, you know, who in the past Octobers has slowly eroded during the, the competition. You know, Dave Roberts, the, their manager, has indicated that he's keeping an open mind in terms of, you know, we'll see how certain guys look on, on different days. He might be open to change in terms of who he uses at the end of the games. But that's going to be crucial. I do think for the Dodgers, it was a big and a great sign that in Walker Bueller's first start off the injured list after he had a blister issue, he looked really good. You know, six strikeouts over four innings. He started in game one for them, Kershaw game two. What problems do Milwaukee present for us, if any at all? Yeah, well, <laughs> they definitely pre- present a problem uh, in that I, I really believe that if you were to uh, ask folks around the game, who's the best one-game manager in baseball, it's Craig Council, the Brewers. He is so good at manipulating his bullpen, and he has two unbelievable bullpen pieces. And in a three-game series, you know that potentially could be decided uh, decisive. Not only do you have Josh Hader, but the guy who I think should be nationally rookie of the year, Devin Williams has a devastating changeup, and during the course of the year, he faced 100 batters, he struck out 53, and allowed eight hits. So 
to have Craig Council with those two bullpen weapons, if the Brewers get a lead, that's going to be an issue for the Dodgers. Oh, gosh. But <laughs> you, know, you should see Key just smiling every time you make mention of the Dodgers and them winning a World Series. Uh, the Reds have potential NL Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer. What, what evolution have you seen from Bauer on and off the field? Well, I mean, first off, this has been the best season of his career. He's going to wind up winning the National League Cy Young Award, uh, and he's going to get paid in a big way in free agency this fall. But the big thing is, you know, because he's so omnipresent on social media in a baseball world that typically doesn't like guys standing out, you know, for years people have been bothered by him. I think if you were to draw up a list of like the 10 in this terrible 2020, you know, the 10 best things in baseball this year, it was Trevor Bauer would have to be on that list because he made it clear from the get-go, look, we're out here to have fun. You know, there was a game recently, guys, in which he allowed a home run to Tim Anderson of the White Sox on a high fastball, and after that game, he tweeted out to, to Tim Anderson, hey, you know, how come you didn't do the bat flip? I want to see the bat flip. Uh, and then he actually did a breakdown on his YouTube channel of how Tim Anderson beat him. And then in his next start, when he faced the Brewers, you know, he was striking guys out, and he was strutting on the mound, and he was having fun, staring down hitters. I love the fact that he absolutely uh, walked the talk, and he has all year, and he really has brought the game, I think, in that when he starts to a place that baseball needs to get to, to be more accessible to fans. Mm-hmm. Last thing for Buster Only, host of the Baseball Tonight podcast, all the American League teams will go today, all the National League teams will go tomorrow, there'll be eight playoff games, in fact, on Wednesday, one team that is not in the playoff field that we've been used to seeing for so many years, of course, is the Red Sox. They announced they're not going to bring Ron Renneke back next year. That's no surprise considering their dismal record. But Buster, man, every time I talk to people that are plugged in with the Red Sox or people here at ESPN, they are not ruling out the possibility of bringing back Alex Cora after everything that happened. Is that possible? It is possible. I wrote a column that's going to be posted on our website today. I think the Red Sox front office is crazy if they don't rehire him. You guys were just talking about Doc Rivers and his track record, right, Uh, and his ability. How often in a big marketplace like Boston do you have the opportunity to bring a guy who's proven, who's won in one of his two seasons as Red Sox managers? They had their greatest season ever. The players love him. He might be the most talented manager that I've seen in terms of how he relates to players, the in-game strategy, the edge that you need in a big market. And here's the real risk for the Red Sox if they don't hire him. What happens if you pass on this guy who people love in that town? You bring in somebody else and you lose next year? Boy, uh, the, the, and if Alex were to go someplace else and win, you talk about uh, setting yourself up for second-guessing moving forward. It's a great point. You'd never live it down. He was a former colleague of us at ESPN here. He had a magnetic personality. He's going to go into the room and win any interview, whether it's Boston or somewhere else. It's a juicy storyline to follow for a team that had a dismal campaign under new management with Bloom and company. Buster, we will see you throughout the course of the postseason. Enjoy an unprecedented day of baseball starting today at 145 Eastern on ABC and, of course, all the games today on ESPN Radio. Thanks a lot. See you guys. want to quickly remind you that uh, Mark Teixeira will be here at 830. He knows a little something about winning in the postseason. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Key is batter up. Real quick for you, Dodgers, Lakers. You're a fan of both, oh. but if only one could win this year, no, you I, want whoa, the double whoa. dip. You want the double dip. <laughs> yeah, gotta have it. But if I can only give you a single scoop, what do you want? Man, that's a tough one. 
because I factor in everything that the Lakers organization had to endure over the last several years. And the Dodgers hadn't won since 88. Mm-hmm. Um, and LeBron, that's a hard one, man. It's, the ice cream is melting. At least you I just, got, at least, I just, I'm just telling you, it's all down my, it's all down my sleeve right now. At least you got something to talk about. I'm over here in New York. I'm not trying to talk about anybody. No, the Yankees are straight. I hope so. Indians tonight. Bug game from 07 with Jabba. For those of you that remember that one, are we taking Mahomes for granted? We'll talk about it next.